Corinthians chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 44, and also Isaiah, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And again, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. And of course, uh, never want to take for granted what the Lord is, what does, what He does on any given Sunday. Uh, many folks got up early this morning and came and uh, got on a cold bus and drove and picked up some young people for church and adults and teens, and we rejoice in that. And uh, many of you got up this morning and your wife made you go start a cold car, amen, and uh, make sure it was nice and toasty once she got in there, amen. But uh, but anyway, however you got to church, I don't care if you hitchhiked to church, I'm glad that you're here, amen. Isaiah chapter number 44, stand with me please for the reading of God's Word. And it is the Word of God, if you have a King James Bible in front of you, Isaiah chapter number 44, and we'll begin reading in verse number 4. The Bible says, And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Beside me there is no God. Now, if you will, turn your Bible over to the book of Second Corinthians chapter number 11. Second Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 2. The Apostle Paul, writing inspired by the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth, said, For I am jealous over you with, notice what he says here, with godly jealousy. Godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul said, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, our jealous God. Our jealous God. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness. Our, I thank you for the, uh, the fact that you brought us here this morning. Thank you that we were able to sing the songs of Zion, uh, to talk about love that lifted me and the fact that uh, He keeps me singing. And Jesus, Jesus, there's no other name like Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd help us now as we speak of things eternal. I pray that there'd be no distractions. I pray that folks would set aside anything in, in, in their hands or in their hearts or in their minds that would be a distraction. Uh, Father, I pray that the cell phone would not be a distraction. I pray that parents would pay attention to their children to make sure that they're uh, paying attention and that uh, adults and teens and children alike, all of us would pay attention to the Word of God as it's preached. And I pray that you'd uh, help me to uh, give my attention to thy Holy Spirit and help me to say only what needs to be said. And I pray that I not say anything that would in any way uh, displease the Lord. Uh, Father, have your will and way in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Throughout the Bible, there is an overriding theme that is repeated many times, over and over again. Uh, and that theme is the fact that God is a jealous God. Kind of a, a unique description because God refers to Himself as being a jealous God. In fact, <clears throat> the first time we see it, it is given as part of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number 5, you need not turn to it. 
But the, uh, the Bible says this, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, talking about false gods and idols and so forth, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Again, it's mentioned in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14. The Bible says, For thou shalt worship no other little g God, for the Lord, notice what it says, whose name is jealous. One of the names for God is jealous. He is a jealous God, the Bible says. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 19, And Joshua said unto his people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. He was warning the people as to what would happen if they turned away from God. In Zechariah chapter 1 and verse number 14, So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. And then we read it just a few moments ago in the New Testament. In the New Testament, a lot, a lot of times people like to discount the Old Testament. By the way, the Old Testament is just as much a part of your Bible as the New Testament. Someone once said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And there's a lot of truth in that. But all of it is the Word of God. But the Apostle Paul uh, mentions the theme again in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, uh, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you present or that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He said, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Godly jealousy. You see, uh, that's an interesting thought, the fact that there could be a godly jealousy. Now, hear me well this morning. We think of jealousy in terms of envy or covetousness. We think about uh, jealousy in terms of wanting something that we should not have. Uh, someone drives a car that we've always wanted, and we say, I'm jealous. Whatever that make and model that you're thinking of right now, that's exactly what I'm talking about. This one, <laughs> but uh, you know that uh, that dream car. How many of you men, uh, perhaps back in the day, you had uh, you had some kind of a street rod or some kind of a uh, what would be considered today as a classic car? And right now you're thinking, I could kick myself because I got rid of that vehicle. How many of you you got something like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah? We'll have confession after the service. Let's just line up outside the, my office door, will you? <clears throat> but uh, my father-in-law has a has a 1967 Plymouth uh, GTX Hemi, and and boy, that, it's a sweet ride. He had it he had it restored many years ago. And, and uh, that is his pride and joy. He and his wife got married in that, well, not married in the car. They got, they were driving, they drove that car away from the church. But anyway, he loved it so much he married it. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but it was one of those kinds of things where a lot of times if he's driving down the road, people, it, it's a, it's a head turner, amen. Uh, people look at that car and they say, oh wow. And there's some drool just kind of running outside their mouths right there. But everybody, everybody's, some of you men, you've got a car like that. And, and, uh, and anytime you even think about it, there's a little bit of, uh, jealousy there. That's really not the kind of jealousy we're talking about. But, uh, uh, but somebody experiences something or takes a trip to a place where we've always wanted to go. And we say, boy, I'm jealous. You know, somebody comes up to you in uh, the first week of January, and it's 20 degrees below zero outside, and uh, 60 below with the windshield factor. And they come up to you, and they say, I'm going to Orlando for the next couple of weeks. 
And we say, God bless your brother. And we turn around and walk away and say, I hate that guy. <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's just a little tinge of jealousy there if you're not careful. You see, uh, for us, the term jealous means wishful thinking. But for God, God has every right to be jealous. God has every right under the sun to be jealous. You know why? Because He owns everything. The Bible says that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. And by the way, He owns you and I if we're saved. God has every right to be jealous. And as you look in the Scriptures, you'll find two groups of people who are the objects of God's jealousy. The first group of people who are the objects of God's jealousy is the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel. God set aside the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and He said, you are my chosen people. And He said it in Exodus. He said it again uh, throughout the Old Testament. He said, you Israelites, ye chosen of Israel, He said, you are my people. And He said, I'm jealous of you. To the nation of Israel was given the Old Testament law. And through the nation of Israel came Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They are indeed His chosen people. And by the way, uh, the, the, the promise and the instruction that God gave to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12 is still true today. He said, in blessing, I will bless them that bless you, I'll curse them that curse you, and in your seed, Abraham, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. I'm saying God has a special place in His heart for the nation of Israel, and anybody who messes with her, you're going to have to mess with God. Not a good thing. You can't read the Bible without seeing the obvious love that God has for His people, the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, God has that same love for another group of people. In the New Testament, we see that God has that same jealousy, that same uh, godly jealousy for those of us who are His children. If you're saved this morning, God is jealous for you. If you, uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then God looks at you and He said, I'm jealous, I love you and I care for you. And, uh, <clears throat> and not, not only have I created you, but I have redeemed you from sin. I've redeemed you from hell. I've saved you from the burning. I've saved you from the penalty, the awful penalty of your sins. And you're redeemed. He said, you're a son of God. You belong to Him. And God is jealous over those of us who were saved. And if you belong to God, He has every right to be jealous over you. Every right to be jealous over you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible tells us that we are bought with a price. You see, not only did God create us, but if you're saved, God redeemed us. He redeemed us. We are, we are twice His, if you will. And that God of the universe who made us and then redeemed us, He purchased us. What was the price of our purchase, uh, Pastor? Uh, the price of our purchase was the blood of Jesus Christ that taketh away the sins of the world. <clears throat> and I'm simply saying, God has every right to lay claim on your life and every, every right to lay claim on my life if we belong to Him because He is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. You know, I... Uh, I wish I could make everybody's kids behave. <laughs> Some of you just look down the road to see if your kids were behaving right now. I wish I could make everybody's kids behave. 
You ever been in a grocery store or a, maybe a Myers or Walmart, and uh, there was a there was a precious little brat <laughs> in the store, and he was making a scene, or he was, Mom, I want that, or I want that, or I want that. I, it, it happened just yesterday, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> That's when I inserted this illustration in the sermon, by the way. And you, you, we've all been there, where we look and, and the kid is just making an absolute idiot of himself, and of his parents, I might add. And there's something inside of me that says, I wish I could have that kid for just a couple weeks. Just a couple weeks. <clears throat> if that kid had grown up in my dad's house... <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Second half of the tribulation period, amen. <clears throat> But I can't make everybody else's kids behave. You know why? They're not my kids. They're not my kids. You see, I have leverage over the kids who call me dad and call my wife mom. I have leverage over those children that I don't have over anybody else's kids. You know why? Because there's a relationship there of father and son, parent and child. And, and because of that bond, because of that relationship, I have every right to train them. In fact, I have a responsibility to train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, understand something. If you're not saved, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said it to the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father the devil. He said, you don't belong to me. By the way, <clears throat> there's a, there's a, uh, uh, the wrong notion going around that if you are a human being, you're one of God's children. May I say that's not right? Just because you're living uh, on God's earth and breathing His air and drinking His water, that doesn't mean you're His child. Now, you're His creation, but that doesn't mean you're His child. He, you're not His child unless you've been born into His family. No more than someone else's child who was born into someone else's family is not your child. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're, you're your father, the devil. But wait a minute. Once you became a child of God, once you trusted Christ, the Bible says as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Hey, you were born into his family and you can no longer, hey, you can no more undo that than you can undo a physical birth. And I'm saying now you belong to God. You belong to him and he's jealous of you. He's jealous over you. If I may say, he owns you. <laughs> Nobody owns me. Well, uh, if you're part of God's family, he does. He purchased you. Understand something. God's jealousy is a wonderful thing. And I want to I share some things with you about our jealous God for the next few moments. will not be lengthy at all. But let me say this. Because of God's jealousy, I'm saved. Because of God's jealousy, I'm saved. You see, God created man. Uh, <clears throat> he created man in his own image, the Bible says. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God not only made man, but he made man in his own image. You're not like plant life. You're not like animal life. You're a, you're, you are God's highest created being understand something god has ha, has made man in his own image to to have dominion over this world and over this earth and understand uh, god made you to fellowship with him 
God made you to walk with them and to talk with them. God made you to bring glory to His name. God made you to praise Him. God made you to fellowship with Him. The Bible says that God went down into the garden every day in the cool of the day and He would meet there with Adam and Eve specifically and they would have a wonderful time and they would enjoy one another's presence and, and it was, it was a, such a blessed time and such a refreshing time for Adam and Eve and for the Lord, I might say. Understand, God enjoys your presence. God enjoys your fellowship. That's why He made you. But something happened. Something happened. Man fell in, into sin. In the Garden of Eden, Satan deceived Eve, the Bible says, and she partook of that forbidden fruit that God told them. And he said, look, out of er, uh, off of every other tree in the garden, you can freely eat except for the one tree in the midst of the garden. You may not eat, he said, because in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Eve, you know the story, she partook of that fruit, she gave it to Adam, and he, knowing what was going to happen, ate of that forbidden fruit, and immediately their eyes were opened, the Bible says. They knew that they were naked. They knew that they had done wrong. They knew that they had sinned. They knew that they had transgressed God's law. They knew that they had rebelled and been disobedient, but something happened. That separation already took place because God came down and God knew what happened. You can't fool God. Let me, let me tell you something. <laughs> Whatever it is you did this week, right or wrong, God knows about it. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, the Bible says, beholding the evil and the good. You may not have seen, you, you may not think anyone else saw you, but if no one else saw you, there's a God in heaven who saw you. Wherever it is you went this week and whatever your eyes beheld this week and whatever, whatever it is you partook of this week, whatever it is you indulged in this week, whatever it is that you said, he heard every word, he saw every deed, he knows where you went. You talk about GPS, God's got a good tracker on you. He knows where you're at all the time. If you know it, God knows it. And God knows what you don't know. Hey, I'm saying that that, that separation took place and God came down to the Garden of Eden and He said, Adam! Adam? Hey, Adam! Eve! Time to walk. It's time to fellowship. It's time to have some fun and enjoy each other's company. Adam's nowhere to be found. And Adam, from behind the bushes, said, <clears throat> um, Lord, God, um, God said, Adam, where you at? Where you at? And, and, and Adam said, I was, I was afraid, God. Adam, what were you afraid of? And there was that separation that had already taken place between God and man, and that fellowship that was that once was so sweet had been severed, and that and of course Adam and Eve were driven from the garden, and, uh, and and no longer could they walk with God as they used to. No longer was the fellowship sweet as it once was. And that day in the Garden of Eden, God said, "Adam, Adam, you've messed up. Adam, you've sinned. Adam, you should have known better. Adam, you knew you shouldn't have done it." But you know, God could have said that day, "Oh well." On that day, when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, God could have said, easy come, easy go. <laughs> no, no, God's jealous. I want you to see it this morning. God wanted Adam and Eve back. 
God wasn't going to let them go without a fight, so to speak. God wasn't going to let them go, nor was he going to turn his back on the human race because in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, God gives that first promise of a Messiah, that first promise. He said to Eve, he said, your seed is going to bruise the head of that serpent and the serpent is going to bruise the heel of your seed, Eve. And in, 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 in through your, uh, your womb, Eve, there's going to come a Messiah one day. And God said, I'm jealous, I want you back. I know you've tried, I know you've strayed, I know you've sinned, I know you've gone away, but I'm jealous and I'm coming back for you, Adam. I'm going to make a way for man to come back to me to have that fellowship restored. God immediately killed an animal to cover the resulting shame from Adam and Eve's sin. He promised to send the Messiah in Genesis 3.15. He didn't just say, well, let's go. He didn't just say, well, see you later, do the best you can. There's, uh, there's eternity in hell waiting for you. Uh, <clears throat> I gave you a chance. I gave you an opportunity. You blew it. Now, away with you. No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm a jealous God. I want you back. His jealousy for us said, I'll do whatever it takes to make a way for you to come back into fellowship with me. And the reason I'm saved this morning and the reason why you're saved this morning, if you are saved, is because there was a God in heaven who loves me and loves you and was jealous for me. By the way, fellas, the reason why you married your wife, <clears throat> you were jealous of her. Think about it. I didn't want some jerk marrying my wife. Every now and then we'll share some stories or we'll, uh, we'll be talking about college life and so forth. And uh, we've got one who's graduated from college, obviously, Brother Tim, and then uh, Phil, he's still in college. And and uh, we talked a little bit in Sunday school this morning about the importance of praying for your kids to marry the right one that God has for them. That is important. That's, that's critical, by the way. Every parent in here ought to have that on your prayer list. My wife and I sometimes will talk in front of the kids about <coughs> about uh, maybe somebody that I dated before we he, she and I started dating in college, seriously, or somebody she dated before she and I started dating in college. And I, I won't call his name. There's a lot of names I have called him, but I won't call his real name. <laughs> I remember one time, my wife and I had just started dating seriously, or actually I was trying to get it to that mode, amen. And I found out that she had a date that, that same after, I had a date with her for lunch, and then right after lunch, and then she had another date that had already been planned with this pinhead. I mean, this gentleman, this fine Christian young man. <clears throat> And, um, and uh, again, I won't tell you what his name was, but I'm, I'm thinking of it right now. So mental telepathy, you can pick it up. But anyway, uh, and so uh, I decided that our date should go a little longer. Because the longer our date went, the later she was going to be for the next date. Amen? And uh, now you say, did you do that on purpose? You better believe I did. And I would do it again, too. You know what that's called? Jealousy. Fellas, you asked you ask that lady to marry you. You know why? Because you wanted her for yourself. You wanted her for your own. You wanted her to have your last name. Amen? <clears throat> uh, look, God's jealous over us. 
God wants us to have His name. God didn't want to just send us away under the curse of sin uh, with our Father as, as the devil knows her. He wanted to give us a new name written in glory and be born in His name and be His child. And God was jealous over to want to bring us back. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. I see also because of God's jealousy I'm saved. Not only that, because of God's jealousy I'm secure. I'm secure. The reason why some Christians do not grow is because they do not realize the security that they received when they got saved. Now hear me carefully this morning. <clears throat> Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's what the Bible teaches. You say, preacher, is that Baptist doctrine? It's Baptist doctrine because it's Bible doctrine. Once saved, always saved. God, look, God is not some weakling who cannot keep those that he saves. Let me give you a verse, John chapter 10, verse number 29. My Father, Jesus said, which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? No man is able to pluck me out of God the Father's hand. That's security, my friend. That's eternal security. Preacher, when will I go to hell? If you're saved, you'll go to hell when God goes to hell, and that ain't ever going to happen, my friend. Because you're in the Father's hand. You're in the Father's hand. Understand something. Well, preacher, I'm holding on to God. It's better than that. You're in His hand. You're in His hand. I'm not hanging on to God. He's hanging on to me. And God is not going to drop me. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to look. You can't go to hell. God and His divine jealousy is not giving you up. You may disappoint Him. You may grieve His Spirit. You may sin against Him. Look, you may have walked this aisle, made a profession of faith. You may have walked this aisle, received Christ uh, right here at this very spot. Or maybe you received Christ uh, out uh, out on the, at your home. Someone, Maybe some soul winner came by your house and led you to Christ. May I, may I help you this morning? You don't get unsaved because you sin. You follow what I'm saying? Well, well, well preacher, what if I've done wrong since I've been saved? All of us have done wrong since we've been saved. It's called the old nature that is living out in us. That's what it is. God did not come to say, look, my body's not saved. Brother Gray said it last Sunday. My body's not saved. My soul is saved. I'm just as sure for heaven as if I were already there. And I'm telling you, you didn't do anything to get saved. You're not going to do anything to get unsaved. We're not saved by works. We're saved by His grace. We're saved by faith in Christ. You may grieve His Spirit. You may cause Him to chastise you. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. If I get out of line, guess what? God's going to whip me. God's going to chasten me. God's going to get after me with His divine paddle. Amen? God's going to get after me with His belt. Amen? Uh, when I was growing up, I got this, uh, this dumb idea that if I hid my dad's paddle... I would never get another spanking. <laughs> dumb, 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 dumb. So, <clears throat> all right, I'm confessing. I took the paddle that was used to administer justice and other things, and I, I, I put it behind the washing machine. Just dropped it there. It was missing, Brother Dave, for I'm, I'm guessing a couple of years. There was one day, it dawned on me, you know what? What I'm getting from other sources, a.k.a. Dad's belt, amen? 
I thought, you know, the paddle was better than this. <laughs> that paddle conveniently showed up one day. <laughs> Ta-da, here it is. I'll never forget it. I told you this before. On the front of that paddle, it says, uh, it says, it said, never spank a child in the face. Nature provides a better place. Amen. <laughs> That's what it said. I can remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. Anyway. But hey, my dad disciplined me because he loves me. And by the way, that's a biblical principle. You say, preacher, that's not very popular in 2018 because we may damage some child's psyche or whatever. No, no. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. It's a Bible principle. By the way, and this is a side note, true discipline has, is not abusive. Say, so, preacher, your dad, spoke, your dad spanked you? He absolutely did. Don't you think that was abusive? Are you kidding me? Not on your life. My dad loved me. And I knew, and he did it in such a way, I knew he loved me then. That doesn't mean I look forward to it. That doesn't mean, oh, goody, 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 I get to have a spanking. No, no, not exactly. But when the smoke cleared and the dust settled, hey, I knew that Rondale loved his kids. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Because of God's jealousy, I'm secure. He said in John, John 10, verse 28, and I give them eternal life, and they, don't miss this, they shall never perish. Never perish. That means if you trusted Christ at any time in your life, you will never go to hell. It's, it, look, I'm trying to get you to understand, there's a whole lot of false doctrine that are, are, are out there that says you got to get saved over and over and over and over and over again. That is anti-scriptural. It's not Bible. we got to hustle. Number three, because of God's jealousy, I'm somebody. <laughs> because of God's jealousy, I'm saved. Because of God's jealousy, I'm secure. And because of God's jealousy, I am somebody. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're looking at royalty this morning. I don't say that pridefully, because if you're saved, I'm looking at royalty. Not royalty because of who I am, royalty in spite of who I am. Not royalty because of who I am, but royalty because of who he is. I'm a child of the king. Hey, I believe that makes me a prince. I'm a son of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the king. And you're looking at royalty this morning. And God made you, and God redeemed you, and God set you apart from the world. You are somebody. You know, when we think about royalty... It's amazing how the royal family over in the United Kingdom, it's amazing how, how they're treated, how they're looked upon by the rest of the world. They don't, if they do anything just like anybody else in the world, everybody is aghast. <gasps> you know why? We expect more of them because they're royalty. You with me? We have set the bar up high for them because of their family tradition. Because of their family name, do we not? We expect them, we hold them to a little higher standard as far as their public behavior is concerned, as far as their speech is concerned, as far as their dress is concerned, as far as all these other things are concerned. We hold that royal family to a little bit of a higher standard just because of 
because of who they are. May I say, I'm a child of the King of Kings, not the King of England, or the Prince of Wales, or the Prince of anything else over there. I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And by the way, if you're a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that makes you somebody. And God's jealousy, God's jealousy, uh, He is jealous because I am His child. Look, I'm not better than the drunk in the gutter, but I'm better than his drinking. And so are you. I'm no better than the woman who walks the streets of Detroit and sells her body. I'm no better than she is. I'm a sinner just like she is. But hey, all of us are better than that kind of behavior. We're better than the filth of the world. We're better. Hey, and again, not to put any of us on a pedestal, but to put God on a pedestal and Jesus on a pedestal. He's the king. We're his sons. And God said, because of my jealousy, you're somebody. Now live like you're somebody and talk like you're somebody and, and, and speak like you're somebody and behave yourself like you're somebody and go to places that, that are becoming of the, of a child of a king. It just makes sense, does it not? We're somebody. And God's jealous over you. He doesn't want to share you with the world. He's not interested in being one of your little G gods. He's not interested in being a Sunday-only God. He's not interested in you just bringing Him to church on a Sunday morning and then doing your own thing Monday through Saturday. He's not interested in you having some kind of profession that is superficial and shallow. No, sir, he's jealous, and he has every right to be jealous. We belong to the King of Kings, and who do we think we are living in the filth of the sins of this world if we belong to the King? It's real simple. It's real simple. God is jealous over us. Why do we think that we're wallowing in the pig pen of dirty magazines and websites. Why do you think that's behavior becoming of a child of a king? Why do we think our cussing and swearing and talking with a vulgar mouth is becoming that of a child of the king? Why do we think that listening to the filth of the world's music is becoming the child of a king? Why do we think that rebelling against the God of heaven who loved us so much that he would give his son to die for us is, uh, is appropriate for someone who's a child of the king? Hey, I'm simply saying we're better than that. We're somebody. God is jealous, and because of that, we're saved. Because of God's jealousy, we're sure of salvation. Because of God's jealousy, we're sanctified, we're special, we're set apart. We're that royal seed, we're that peculiar people. That word peculiar there doesn't mean weird, it means special. It means special. You're somebody to God. You're a child if you belong to Him. Because God is jealous, I can rejoice. I can rejoice. Because of God's jealousy, I'm saved. God came searching for me when He could have just written me off. God came looking for me when He could have said to the whole human race, just, just go on about your business and, and, and go to that place prepared for Satan and his fallen angels. Go on to that eternal damnation and punishment in hell. He could have done that, but His jealousy came after us. Because of his jealousy, I'm saved. Because of God's jealousy, I'm secure. <laughs> because he can keep everybody he saves. Because of God's jealousy, I'm special. I'm a child of his. I'm somebody. I'm a peculiar people. I'm a royal priesthood. You know what? Why don't we rejoice this morning in the fact that we serve a God who loves us enough to be jealous over us.
If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, may I say to you, God is jealously looking for you to come and receive His Son this morning. If you're here this morning, you're you're without God, without Christ, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, and and, uh, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm too wicked, I'm too vile, there's no way God would ever save a wretch like me. That's what John Newton said when he penned the words to Amazing Grace. John Newton, when he said he was a wretch, when he said wretch like me, John Newton was, was the scum of the earth kind of a guy. And yet God saved him. And he penned those words that we beautifully sing in Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know why I'm found? Because there's a jealous God in heaven who made it possible. There's a jealous God in heaven who said, I'm coming after you. And if you're here this morning without Christ, there's a God in heaven who is sending His Holy Spirit to bring conviction into your heart right now, and He says, I'm coming after you. Not because I'm mad at you, because I love you. There's a jealous God in heaven who says to those of us who are saved, you're to be different. You're to be different. You know why? Because you're royalty. You're special. I'm jealous for my people to behave themselves as my people. A jealous God. Our heads are bowed.